Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. One of the things that I've noticed in life, philosophical now, is that most of our problems are people or people-related. Anybody else notice that? Another thing that I've also noticed is that most of the blessings in life are people or people-related. So people are a two-edged sword. And because we're in a um, conversation that's gone on now for quite a few weeks on prayer, a conversation with God, we come to a place in the model prayer that we're looking at called the Lord's Prayer, where we're going to deal with people. And I've entitled this morning's message, The Way Home. The Way Home. And I believe that you'll understand why we've called it The Way Home as we unpack this. But in looking at the Lord's Prayer, and it's in Matthew chapter 6, each of the verses there give us a stage on a, on a prayer track, if you will, if we would just, just for a moment think about prayer as a track that you're running around, and it's easy to not know where you're at on the track. Now, I don't know. Have you ever been lost? I mean lost in a, in a big way where it really mattered if you found your way home. Uh, I've been lost in some of the most amazing places on the planet. I've been lost in Moscow, which is a big city. <laughs> I was lost once there, and they have these markets at some place in the city there. I don't know exactly what the suburb is, but the market there uh, honestly makes the Umundi market or some of the markets that we have here just look like so small. It was massive. It went on for, I don't know how many kilometers, but I got in the middle of these markets in Moscow. And Mos Moscow, or Moskva, as the Russians call it, the proper pronunciation, is a really dark place. And um, we went over there and we planted a church in another city there, but you have to go through uh, Moscow. So I was there and I thought, oh, I heard about these markets, I'll go and I'll get a taxi, go to the markets. I got inside the markets, got to looking around, and I got lost and I thought, Oh, it should be easy after all, you know, they're just markets. It went on and on, and I got more lost and more lost, and nobody spoke English. And I got into um, the Chechnya, Afghanistan section of, of these markets where it was um, really dark. And, and I was lost, and, and, and whenever you're lost in a, in a foreign place, it's, it's like the local people pick up on that. Oh, he's lost. I think I'll take advantage of him. And so I, I gathered a bit of a crowd. It wasn't the kind of crowd that I really wanted to gather, to be honest. And they're, they're wanting to basically relieve me of however many rubles, Russian money that I had in my pocket. And so I was pretty desperate to get out of there. And I'd gone in there to buy a pair of shoes, and I wanted a pair of leather shoes. And every shoes, all the shoes that I saw were... were made out of rubber, and they really smelled bad. Like, I picked the shoe up, and I go, it looks, looks okay, and I'd smell it. I was like, oh, it smells like used tires. It was ground-up rubber. Terrible smell. And so I thought, 
how do I convey to them that I want to buy leather shoes? And I didn't know what the leather and uh, word for, for leather in Russian was. And finally, you know, they're all confused, and they keep taking me to one shoe, shoe stall after another, and I'm getting more lost. I'm getting sucked into the vortex of this, these giant markets, and it's getting later uh, by the minute, and uh, I hadn't accomplished anything. So I had an idea. I thought, well, let's just do some charades. So I, I said to them with shoes, pointed at shoes, and then I went, moo, moo. And they went, ah. And then they spoke the word leather, and they took me to get these leather shoes made out of cowhide, and it worked, but didn't get me out of there. And everybody wants to be your friend, and they all speak a little bit of English, but they're not going to lead you out. Long story short, I finally got out of there, and I found a taxi, and I made my way back to the hotel, but it was a terrible feeling. I've been lost hiking before. I've been lost in Mexico before, gone down to get a nice meal, got lost. I get lost anywhere. And, and anytime I am, I'm thinking like hiking, it's like no matter how beautiful the scenery, the trees, the stars, whatever it is, they don't, they're not beautiful when you're lost. Trees, you go there to see trees or a landscape, but you get lost like trees in a landscape, they're in the way. Stars, the moon, oh, it's so beautiful. When you're lost, not beautiful anymore. It's like, I don't care about all of that. I just want to get out of here. And when you're lost in prayer, you say, how do you get lost in prayer? Well, one of the ways that you know you're lost in prayer is that you're not actually having a faith-filled conversation with God anymore. You've actually got something called an argument going on in your head, is in reasoning is then you can't sleep. You're not praying anymore. You're tossing, you're turning. Uh, if you're on your bed praying or what, what, wherever you're at, your headspace is, is in a debate, perhaps with God or the circumstance or the situation. And, and, whereas prayer is not that way. I've said this before, and I'll say it again, and I really encourage you to go back and get the whole series and look at each message that we've gone through because we need to have specific prayer points so we know where we're at when it comes to prayer. And we don't get lost in reasonings and the turmoil of our own thought life and the strife and the deal and the angst and the worry with problems. Because we can go in with prayer with every good intention and we can walk out very discouraged and more lost than ever before. You get lost in prayer when, and you know you're lost in prayer, when all of a sudden the problems mount up and they're bigger than the solution that God would have. So these prayer points, and we find these with the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The first prayer point is presence. Good, somebody was listening. These all begin with P. I made sure of that so that you can find your way easily and remember them. We start off by inviting the presence of God into the conversation. That's who we're having a conversation with. That's what prayer is. It's a presence of God time. So I encourage you to go back and, and get that message. I'm not going to go into that at all. But the second thing, hello, it be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The second prayer point, come on, somebody shout it out. Priority. It's his kingdom, your kingdom come, 
your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Last week, I believe it was, we looked at the third one. Give us this day our daily bread, which is provision that God provides for the vision. Pro means for. Vision is what God's showing you during that prayer time, during that conversation. God will drop in your imagination direction for his kingdom and what he wants to establish. We heard a great testimony uh, about generosity and how God uh, moved somebody by speaking and showing that person to go over and give, give money to somebody that, that needed that. That vision that provided for somebody else's prayer, but that also was, was caused by a vision to see something for provision, to provide for that vision. Now we come to a point in the prayer that I believe is a, a refocus, if you will. It's a pivotal point in the Lord's Prayer. And it's also a point on our prayer track as we take the time. And again, this can be one minute or one hour. It doesn't matter. These things we go through in, during our prayer time on, on your prayer track, if you will. We come to the place in the Lord's Prayer where he gives us the biggest, perhaps the biggest challenge in the whole prayer. And that's the challenge of forgiveness. Forgive us this day. Sorry, forgive us uh, our debts as we forgive our debtors. That's in verse 12. Now this is people. And I started off saying that people, <laughs> most people, uh, people are problems, but people are also provision and people are also the biggest blessing. And, and, and you cannot pray the Lord's Prayer and spend a minute or an hour and get around people. God directs the prayer towards people, our relationship with other people. And it hinges on this thing called forgiveness, which incidentally is a major, not a minor, when it comes to our walk, following Jesus, when it comes to praying, we pray for people. And he says this, he says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now, I used to be an accountant, and so debt and debtors and all of those things, you learn that in beginning accounting. You, you begin all about, you start to learn all about how uh, ledgers and balance sheets work and debt and that kind of thing and, and debtors and liabilities and assets and all those good things uh, that accountants have to learn in the basic stuff. Uh, but he says, forgive us ours as we forgive. Another translation says in the same way. Forgive us the same way we forgive. Think about that for a moment because the way that that's structured is the way that you're forgiving is the way that you're forgiven. That's a huge challenge. It goes on later in the prayer. If you don't forgive others, well, you're not forgiven. Now, that may be talking about eternity and you're not going to make it to heaven. I, I, you know, you can extend it that far. But it certainly, it certainly is um, relevant to our walk and our relationship with other people. If we're hard-hearted and unforgiving in our relationship with people in our lives, 
well, then that's the way that, that it's going to come back to us. So I want to look at, I've called this again the way home, and I want to look at something that very few people really understand what the goal is in not just the Lord's Prayer, but in forgiveness and restoration. And I want us to go over to um, Matthew chapter 18. Again, this is a pivotal point. And um, I'm going to look at a huge word here in Matthew chapter 18, 1 to 5. This, this is going to be a great key, I believe, in prayer and your relationships that you'll walk out of here and you'll understand something that perhaps was misunderstood or not so, so evident walking into today. Matthew 18, 1 to 5, at that time the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? In other words, who holds the greatest position in the greatest kingdom of the universe, the kingdom of heaven. Who is it? So Jesus, in verse 2, he calls a little child to him. He placed the child among them. And he said, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. It's a huge challenge. Verse 4. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Now remember that we are to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Thy, thy will be done on earth, how? As it is in heaven. So this very much relates to what's uh, several chapters earlier, the Lord's Prayer. Now, it's, it's the same teaching. It's extended now all the way to chapter 18 from chapter 6. And I encourage you to go and read all of this in its context to get a great revelation. Who is the greatest? And he says this, verse 5, Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. Who is the greatest is the question. And the answer is whoever becomes like a little child. Now, it's evident that he's not just talking about chronologically little children because in verse 6 he says, those who believe in me, that's the child. Or verse 3, unless you change, unless you change and become like a little ch child. So he's not just talking about children here and this only applies to little children and children's church or whatever, but becoming like a little child. And this involves more than just servanthood and humility. There is a great attribute of a child. And it's why I've called this message The Way Home. Because this attribute really is the key to forgiveness and the why of forgiveness. And during our prayer time, why this pivotal point, again, dealing with people where we've gone to God, we've got his presence, we, we've, we've gone to God to get priority, we've gone to God on behalf of provision, and now we go to God and there's people. There's people problems. There's problem people. There's all this in the way. It's easy to go to God and have this wonderful time with just Jesus and me. But then when we get to the people part of the prayer, 
This is really where the rubber meets the road. And all of these points are interdependent. They're not independent. They are interdependent. They are all related to each other. You can't have one without the other. The, the presence of God and the provision of God are, in, are, are interdependent, not independent. The, the priority of God, your kingdom come, your will be done, is very much in, interdependent with God's presence, God's showing up in the prayer time, in the conversation, and is very much in, interdependent with how we deal with people. In other words, how we forgive. Becoming like a little child, there is one great attribute of a child, which is really what the whole track is geared for and the whole purpose of where we're going when it comes to prayer. And it's a big word. Drum roll. And it's the word innocence. Being a child isn't just about being simple, not knowledgeable, asking a lot of questions. It's not just about humility. It's not just about servanthood. Probably the greatest attribute of a child, which is why there's laws to protect children. Well, they're there now, and I hope that they stay there. That's innocence. Innocence. When you, and you think about this for a moment, but what do you get when you get saved? You give your heart to Jesus. You get born again. Born again. You are not only declared innocent from God. God says, I've forgiven you your debts. All debts are forgiven. All been paid on the cross at Calvary. He paid the price. He washed you clean. He became your substitute. You are now forgiven. But what you actually receive from that transaction that he uh, had on the cross, you receive not just not guilty, but you are declared innocent. But you not only are positionally innocent in the court of law, so to speak, of heaven, but you now have a path for innocence, to become innocent and have innocence as a little child. What would you give to have your innocence back? <sighs> Next week, as we hear about, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, we're going to get to the, uh, the next P, which is protection. You're married here, and perhaps then you think, wow, what would I give to go back to the day that I said my vows, back to the day when we were dating, back to the day of our honeymoon, perhaps? What, what would I give to bring everything back and, and, and undo all the mistakes and, and everything that's defiled in, in whatever way, all the words that were spoken, perhaps in arguments or anger? What would you give to hit a big reset button to go back and regain your innocence sexually, purity? What would you give to have innocence restored? That's what it means to become like a little child. 
this great attribute, innocence. And forgiveness is when you declare a guilty person innocent. Oh, but you don't know what they did to me. God wants their innocence restored just like he wants yours. God has a path for every one of us, no matter what we've done. God has declared everyone that's received forgiveness through him. God has declared them not guilty. In other words, they are innocent. So what's our job? We can't do that. We can tell people that Jesus has forgiven their sins. But he wants to not just do that. He wants to give them a path back to innocence, not just declared innocent. We know positionally we're innocent. We've been declared not guilty. We know that. But if you go back to the prayer and the prayer track that we're on, thy will be done on earth how? As it is in heaven. Innocence is one of the great attributes, I believe, that we will find in heaven. There's not defilement, impurity, vulgarity, pornography, corruption, murder and hatred, backbiting, gossiping, dissension. These are all words that, that get left here on earth. But, but his will be done where? Here, how? On earth as it is in heaven. Which means what? It means we're not just positionally declared innocent by him. We get to walk that out and we get to help other people be restored in innocence so that they are declared innocent. It's our job to enforce that. Forgiveness is when you declare the guilty people in your life, the ones that are guilty of hurting you and harming you and, 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 and causing you all kinds of uh, sleepless nights because of what they've done and what they're saying when, when they are declared innocent because they have received what God has done for you. They receive that. It's our job now to help them and to stay the course in prayer by praying for them. We believe that we are converted like an innocent child. Now, innocence gives you incredible authority. A lot of people don't have, as believers, they don't have any authority in their life. And it comes back to this. It comes back to unforgiveness, or if you will, it comes back to not having innocence. Now, I could, we could go on a whole... Um, whole study on this, and perhaps we will, but power flows through pure channels. The pure channel is innocence. You can write this down, but the greatest person on earth, and that's the question that was asked, who's the greatest? Who is the greatest? Matthew chapter 18. The greatest person on earth is the one who behaves as if they are already in heaven. You see, I'm not waiting until I get there, then I'm going to be innocent, but in the meantime, all the way up until the day I die, uh, I'm not going to walk as in innocence as a little child. I'm not, I'm not going to have that purity. Uh, I'm just going to walk impure. Well, blessed are the pure in heart, 
for they shall see God. If you don't see God in your prayer life, chances are you, you need your vision restored to the vision of heaven and, and getting a hold of innocence and getting the impurities out because to be great on earth is to walk as if I'm already, I'm already walking the streets of gold. Not waiting until I get there. The greatest in any situation is the one who believes and behaves as if they're already in heaven. What's that like? As a little child. Those who carry out God's will on earth as it is in heaven. They possess the presence of God. They possess the priority of God. They possess the provision of God. They are pure. They are innocent. And they are incredibly powerful. We don't associate power with a child. But if you watch a child, there's something about a child. They have an imagination that's undefiled. Now that imagination in today's culture has become defiled at younger and younger ages. That's a travesty, and that's something that the church needs to exist for, to change that. Innocence is, is really righteousness. The moment you ask Jesus into your heart, it says this, the righteous, or you could put innocent in there, you should be established, it says, far from oppression. The righteous are bold as a lion. Innocence gives you a boldness. Righteous brings great authority. That's why he says further on in, in Matthew 18, listen to this, verse 6, if anyone causes one of these little ones, and he's not just talking about, he's using a, a child, he's illustrating through a child, but he's talking about you and me and other believers. If anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it'd be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of the things that cause people to stumble. Such things must come, but woe to the person through whom they come. Then he gets graphic with this one. This is, this is graphic. If your hand, your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off, throw it away. Better for you to enter life maimed and crippled than to have two hands and two feet be thrown into eternal fire. If your eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out, throw it away. Better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown in the fire of hell. Pause. Bad news for anyone or anything that stops somebody's journey home. That's why forgiveness is so important. Who or what stops people from gaining their innocence is not a friend of God. Obviously. Things that stop us from exercising our authority are called offenses. They're offenses to God. They need to be offenses to us, not treated as, ah, you know, they offended me. I know they're Christian, so I'm going to tell everybody about it. I believe one of the, probably the most uh, seasoned veteran other than Jesus when it comes to offenses had to be Joseph, sold by his own brothers, goes in the, into the pit, Goes to prison, they all begin with P. <laughs> Goes in the Potiphar's, Potiphar's house. <laughs> if anybody had a right to be offended, it would have been him. But then, 
God turns the tables, and he'll turn the tables on your life too. Joseph stayed innocent. He knew he was innocent in God's eyes. He didn't do anything. But he had innocence. He kept his purity. He resisted adultery. He resisted the temptation to get bitter and twisted about his fate, sitting and rotten in a prison. And, and God exalts him, and he'll exalt you in due time. God exalts him to the right hand of Pharaoh. He becomes, as it were, a king. And the ones that offended him, his brothers, come before him. And he's weeping. And he sees his brothers. And then he reveals his identity. And he does something amazing. He tells all the Egyptians to get out of the room so that he could just have a private time with the ones that sold him into slavery. And he weeps and he reveals who he is. And he restores things. He says, go back and, and tell dad that I'm alive. I think one of the keys is this. You got to kick, kick, kick the Egyptians out of the room. You can't be having gossip sessions, rehearsing the offenses, going through it all, trying to get revenge as if it were a Hollywood movie or something. You just want to see the villain suffer. In this case, you have to have the purity and the innocence as if you were in heaven, walking those streets of transparent gold where there's nobody there that's guilty. They're all innocent. And the quest for prayer, when we come to the P of forgive us our debts as we forgive, the quest there is to help people find the way home, to help them find the way to heaven. Not, I want them to burn in hell for what they've done and, and invite all the Egyptians to come into the room to talk about how bad they were and how offended you are. This is a pivotal point, and it's a, it's a pivotal point in authority and why a lot of prayers don't go answered, and, and, and people, I hear it all the time, where are the miracles? We want revival. I want revival too. So why don't you kick the Egyptians out and re help somebody get their innocent back, innocence back and quit declaring that people are innocent by the blood of Jesus and then treat them as if they're not innocent and throw stones and judgment at them. Start to lead people home. I believe that's the probably, well, if not the biggest challenge of the church in all of our prayer lives. We just love to rehearse it. This is what they did. Come on in, Pharaoh. Bring a few friends. You'll always get an audience. You'll always have sympathy. You can always be the victim. And then Peter says in verse 21, chapter 18, Peter came to Jesus and he asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother? No, he's talking about brother here, sister, who sins against me up to seven times. Jesus said, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. There's an unlimited amount. This is not just a number. I'll count to 60, 76, and the seventh, seventh person gets forgiven, and 78 misses. No. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king. And he goes on and, and, and gives this incredible parable, parable but it's something that, that 
this challenges us. The, the, the God comes, he can't pay the debt. And so the king says, well, you got a big debt, man, 10, 10 million pounds or whatever it is. I forgive you. And then this guy goes out and he won't forgive his debtors. We're forgiven. Every one of us that's accepted Jesus into our heart has been forgiven of the $10 million debt. Where does the person that's offended you compare with that? They don't. And this guy wouldn't forgive the little debt. And when the master heard of it, he got angry, as you would. I forgave you of all of that. And now you are choking, throwing stones at, gossiping, talking about, whatever. Forgive us our debts as we forgive others. Help somebody get their purity back. Start to see those people on a journey like you are. And when you hit this point in your prayer life where it's forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, this is a point where we can hit our knees and pray for those people as Jesus did forgive them. They don't know what they do. Chances are, even if they do know what they do, God still, there's no way, for, there's no way out for us. If you want to have authority and you want to have power, you have to get purity and start walking his will out on earth as if you're in heaven. I'd like our worship team to come up. There are, here at City Church, we have communion tables that are set up. We've been taking communion pretty well every Sunday, and it's purposeful because I believe it's, these are times we get into the Word, we get challenged, and then we get to do something about it. And the way that you know that you've done something about it is that you've truly repented. In other words, you've changed. Something has shifted in my thinking. I'm going to pray for that person now. I'm not going to repeat the offense, tell everybody what they did. I'm going to kick the Egyptians out. Let the Holy Spirit come into my conversation called prayer. I want provision to flow but I have to have forgiveness flowing through my life and let innocence prevail so that people, people that have offended me can find the way home. I want you to close your eyes and I would love you to uh, just to pray and be heartfelt about this. This is a time of incredible freedom if you would let it. I'm not going to get you to rehearse and go back and look at everybody that offended you. Some people, well, they're dead. They offended you or they did something really bad and you can't get it right with them because they're perhaps dead or... And some people don't even know they did something. They're totally oblivious to the fact that they offended you. But you know. Would you walk toward that person, even with that person if possible, help them find their way home. 
by walking in grace and forgiveness. You've been declared innocent through the blood of Jesus. Would you help them be declared innocent? Would you even further help them walk in innocence as you walk as a little child? You'll be the greatest. If you would do that, you will be the king like Joseph. You'll take the high ground in conversations. And I believe it all starts in prayer. When you hit this point, people, people, people. I want to go further in prayer, but people, people. I have to pray, not just for my family, us four, no more, but I have to pray for those that persecute me, say things about me that have hurt me. I have to pray for them to get past this, to see provision flow, to see the kingdom of God established. I want to see God's kingdom and innocence prevail and help people find the way home. If you've never asked Jesus into your heart, this morning is your time. If you're here, if you're watching, you can pray this prayer. I'd like you to pray this out loud together. Say, dear God, I thank you. I make you my father. Jesus, I make you my Lord. Thank you for forgiving me declaring me innocent. Help me to find the way home in innocence. And let this prevail in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net or email us your feedback at info at city-church.net.